0: It's once more and again that your children have come to this sacred time where we sit inside of our tent doors waiting to hear a word from you. So in faith, Lord, I sit down. I count it an honor and a privilege to be here, and Lord, I ask you to speak through me with power, with your anointing, with signs and wonders following, so that you may receive all the honor the glory, and the praise, and the wonderful, holy, and righteous name of Jesus, my soul says, amen. amen. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Second Peter, which of course you all know that we are uh, in Second Peter, because we're doing a series, Second Peter, the third chapter, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And we're going to be reading them out of the Message Bible. And yes, you're going to need uh, to take notes. 2 Peter, the third chapter, verse 1 through 10. My dear friends, this is now the second time I've written to you. Both letters, reminders, to hold your mind in a state of undistracted attention keep in mind what the holy prophet said and the command of our master and savior that was passed on you by your apostles first of all or first off you need to know that in the last days mockers are going to come are going to have a heyday reducing everything to the level of their petty feelings they'll mock So what happened to the promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried and everything's going on just as it has from the first day of creation. Nothing has changed. They conveniently forget that long ago all the galaxies and this very planet were brought into existence out of watery chaos by God's word. Then God's word brought the chaos back in a flood that destroyed the world. The current galaxies and earth are fuel for the final fire. God is poised, ready to speak his word again, ready to give the signal for judgment and destruction to the desecrating skeptics. Don't overlook the obvious here. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. God isn't late with his promise, as some measures lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He is giving everyone space and time to change. But when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced like a thief. The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang. Everything disintegrating in a raging inferno. Earth and all his works. Exposed to the exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. Amen. 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 As we continue in our series in Second Peter, we see that Peter is coming to the conclusion of his letters, and you could say that Peter is now bringing out the big ammunition. He is already in 1 Peter and in the first two chapters of, of 2 Peter, he has encouraged them, he has admonished them, he has corrected them, he has instructed them as to how they should walk in their walk of faith, acknowledging Jesus Christ as their Lord. He has reminded them that yes, they're going through some difficult and some hard times. He has touched on the fact that they've left everything. They left their homes, their family, their community, their jobs. They've left everything for the sake of following Christ. And now Peter is saying to them, I want you to remember that I told you in 1 Peter that I know that it's time for my life to be come to an end. Because God has already told me that those who are seeking my death, that he's going to allow them to take my life. So I know that my time here on this earth is short. And I know that the assignment that I've given to uh, be your pastor is quickly going to come to an end. But I want you to remember all of the things that I've taught you before so I have reduced them to writing so that after my life is gone, you'll still have them to read, to look back on. Amen. You'll still have them to help you in your Christian growth. Amen. Uh, Peter is letting them know that because his life is almost at an end, that he is getting ready to tell them some of the most important things that he has to tell them in both of these letters. And he tells us in the NIV version, he says, I've written both of these letters to stimulate you to wholesome thought. I've written both of these letters to stimulate you to wholesome thought. In the Message Bible, he says, I want you to hold your minds in a state of undistracted attention. I'm writing this letter in order for you to keep your mind in undistracted attention. What she's saying, don't allow anything or anyone to distract you from the teachings that I have given to you. In the King James Version, he says, stir up your pure minds by way of... He said, your minds ought be pure. And I want you to stir up your pure minds by remembering all the things that God has taught you. Mm -hmm. In the NEB translation, he says, I want to rouse you to honest thought. I want to rouse you to honest thought. So what is God doing here? He is saying to the Apostle Peter, I'm writing these things. I'm preaching these things so that everything that I teach you and preach to you, that you can examine them based on the pure word of Almighty God. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is so Mind-boggling because God is saying that what you need to do, what I need to do when listening to another preacher or anybody on Facebook that happens to be listening to me, you need to examine what I'm saying based on the pure word of Almighty God. God says he wants you to keep your mind uncluttered with things that have no eternal value. Keep your mind, some of our minds are so cluttered with stuff. So, So many of our minds are so cluttered with things that we don't have time, we don't take time to meditate on the Word of God and to apply the Word of God to our life. So Peter is saying, I'm writing these things to remind you, Keep your mind uncluttered. If it doesn't have eternal value, then don't spend too much time on it. He says, I'm writing you that you will center your mind on God and on the things of God. And you need to ask yourself the question, after I leave church on Sunday and during the course of the week, is my mind centered on God and on the Things of God. Because if our mind is not centered on God and the things of God, we are not centering our minds on what God would have us to center them on. Amen. God says, I'm writing these things. I'm going to get you in the Word, but i gotta, I got to lay this foundation. God says, I'm writing these things. Because as you go through difficult times, and you know those people were going through difficult times, Satan is going to put in your mind some stinking thinking. When you start going through difficulty, when you start going through hard times, when you have to give up this and and give up that, when things are not going the way you would have them, Satan is going to put in your mind some stinking thinking. So I'm writing these things to you to let you know that even though he puts these thoughts in your mind, you don't have to live there. Amen. Just because he puts these thoughts in your mind, you don't have to live there. And God said to tell you this morning that the same thing he was telling the the apostle Peter, Peter, your greatest tool that you will have when Satan attacks you with his lies is the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, I need to say that again because y'all didn't get it the greatest tool that you have when satan is trying to attack you with his lies is the truth Amen. you have got to know the truth of any given situation that you're in you've got to know the truth of any given when when i say that when i say you got to know the truth of any given situation you've got to know what it is that caused you to be where you are in life right now. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at the situation and tell the truth of why it is that you are now between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have got to be the, and that not only applies to the word of God, but it applies to your everyday life. What is it that you're going through right now? And what is it that you did to contribute to make it where you are, that make the situation where you are right now? Amen. You got to know the truth. Amen. Remember the words of Jesus when Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen? amen? amen. And a- amen. So God says, You've got to know the truth in order to be able to expose. Satan's lies so look at verse 3 and 4 again he says first of all Mm -hmm. you need to know that in the last days mockers are going to have a heyday Mm -hmm. in the last reducing everything to the level of their petty feelings they'll mock and they'll say well what happened to the promise you said that Jesus was going to come back where is he So God is telling us here. He said in chapter 2, he warned us that in the last days there would be false teachers and false preachers. We're talking about knowing the truth, y'all. But God says, now he wants you to know that not only will there be false teachers and false preachers, but there's going to be mockers Mm -hmm. in the last days. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people that make fun of you for going to church on Sunday morning. Mm. There are going to be people who ridicule you for giving your money in church, saying you're giving your money to a man or a woman. There are going to be people that ridicule you and say the only reason that you believe in God is because you're weak-minded and you need a crutch. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't know anybody like that, All you got to do is turn on television and you'll hear people saying over and over again the fact that they are atheists and they don't believe in almighty God. Mm -hmm. So God says in the last days you got to know the truth and they're going to be mockers and what they're going to use as their prime tool is the fact that we talk about the return of Christ Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm going to pull you in. Mm -hmm. We talk about that the return of Christ is near. Mm -hmm. And that the return of Christ is close. If you have been in church any length of time, you have heard that all your life. And people that are unbelievers have heard it as well. Mm -hmm. So they say, well, you know, the Bible can't be real. Because you've been preaching and teaching and people have been telling, saying over 2,000 years that Jesus is going to return. And he hasn't come back yet. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 8 and 9. You're going to need your Bibles. And same place in the message Bible that we were at. Don't overlook the obvious. When people mock you, don't overlook the obvious, friends. With God... One day is as good as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. God is not late. God is never late. God isn't late with his promise as some people measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He is giving everyone space and time to repent. Mm -hmm. So when people say, now I'm getting ready to teach you some things, you need to have your pencil and notes and stuff here. But when people say, God said he's going to return and it's already been over 2000 years. God said, what you don't understand is in God's way of seeing time, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Mm-hmm. You say, pastor, I don't understand that. What you need to understand is that our problem is that we, we try to line up the return of Christ according to our timetable. Oh, we are time oriented people. Mm-hmm. The clock runs our life. The clock runs our life. God wants you to know and God wants you to understand that sometimes time can be a friend and sometimes time can be an enemy. You say, Pastor, what do you mean that sometimes time can be a friend and sometimes time can be an enemy? Because time is a precious friend when you can use it to spend quality time with your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time is a precious commodity when you can use it to spend qu- not just time, but quality time mm-hmm. with your family. Mm-hmm. Time is a precious commodity when we can use it to work constructively so that we can take care of our families. Time is a precious commodity when the doctor tells you you don't have but X amount of time to live, but then God extends that time and you live on. Amen. God says that time is a precious commodity when He tells when a child is in school or in college and the professor gives them additional time to finish a product, so I mean a, a project, so time can be a good thing. But time can also be your enemy. Amen. Time can be your enemy when you rush around stressing and causing yourself all kind of anxiety attacks because you try to get too much squeezed in to one day. Amen. Amen. God, can, God says time can be your enemy. Time can be your enemy when you do hurtful and harmful things to other people. Time and, and I'm, I'm beating this up because I need you to get this. God wants you to get this. Time can be your enemy when we don't use it wisely. Mm. Always saying, but what we're going to do tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes. Mm. Tomorrow never comes. Always saying, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to stop this tomorrow. I'm going to do whatever. And tomorrow, nothing ever changes. Tomorrow never comes. That's when time can be an enemy. But time can be a precious commodity when you use it wisely. When you use it wisely, because one thing you need to know, once time is lost, you'll never get it back. Mm -hmm. Once time is lost, you will never get it back. So our problem with understanding God with time is that we are finite people. Mm -hmm. Our problem with understanding God with time is that we are finite people and God is infinite. Mm -hmm. God is not a time-oriented being. God is not a (laughs) time-oriented being. I want you to understand that people may laugh and make fun of Scripture when it talks about the return of Christ is near, but that's because they don't understand how God sees time, how God uses time, and how God measures time. In our script, I'm going to show you some references. I'm not going to ask you to turn to them, but I'm going to show you some references that you need to write down to understand how God looks at time. And our text in 2 Peter God said, a day is to the Lord as a thousand years, right? Isn't that what he said? In Daniel, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse, God told King Nebuchadnezzar that he was going to be punished for his sins for a period of seven times. The seven times equaled seven years. So when God said seven times, he meant seven years. In Daniel seven twenty five, when it talks about the antichrist persecuting believers during the period of the uh, tribulation period, God said that the antichrist will uh, 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 persecute believer for time, times and half a time. Amen. Amen. Time, times and a half a time. When it's time singular, it means one year. When it's times, plural, with the S, it means two years. When it's half a time, it means six months. So what God is saying with the one year, the two years, add added together three, the half, he's saying three and a half years during the tribulation period is when the Antichrist is going to persecute believers. Amen. Time, times, and a half. You see how God... May, Okay, God says in Daniel 9.27, he said that something was going to occur for one week. For one week. The one week meant seven years. The one week meant seven years. And same chapter, Daniel 9.27, when it talks about Daniel's 70 weeks, it's talking about 490 years. When it refers to Daniel 70 weeks, Because a week is uh, uh, seven years, and it talks about 70 weeks. Seven times seven is 49. It's talking about 490 years. I'm trying to get you to understand how God uses time. Okay, in Revelations 8.1, God talks about there would be silence in heaven for half an hour. That was not a half hour like our 30 minutes. It meant a short period of time. So, brothers and sisters, I went through all of this because I got to get you to understand that when God says something about time, he does not measure time by how often the sun rotates around the earth or vice versa, but he measures his time by purpose. You got to get this. He measures time by his purpose, by what he intends to. To accomplish. And what he intends to accomplish, no matter how long it is, that's how he measures time. That's why he says a day is a thousand years. If it takes a thousand years for him to accomplish his purpose, in his eyes it was only a day. Do you understand that? So when you have things going on in your life, and you feel like God has taken a long time, He's taken a long time for my healing to be manifested. Mm-hmm. He's taken a long time for my prosperity to be manifested. See, taking a long time for my... Ma- God said you're looking at time the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because what you got to see is I have a purpose and what I'm allowing you to go through and the time is going to be measured by how that purpose is going to be accomplished. Amen. Do you see that? Do you see, that should be revelation, wisdom, and when God gave me this Friday, it blew my mind. He doesn't measure time like we do. He measures time by his purpose. And then he says, what he is doing, the reason he has not come back yet, is because of you. He says, I have not come back because I'm restraining myself. I'm, I'm holding myself back. I want to go back and I want to put an end to all of this. And I want to put an end to the evil that's in the world. But the way that God showed it to me when I did the sermon, he said, Joanne, I want you to picture me looking down through the eons of time. And through the eons of time, I see Brennan being born. And I see Gregory being born. And and they're born, but they're, they're not living the life that I've ordained for them to live. And they've gotten involved in some things that are not what I would have them to be involved in. But if I just hold back a little bit longer, it's going to give them time for them to come in. Don't you understand that he holds himself back so that you can be saved? Hallelujah. So your loved ones can be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that time is running out. Hallelujah. That time is, he says, yes. that he is not willing for yes. any to be lost. Yes. In the King James Version, it says, He is waiting for others, for people to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. There's so much in this sermon that I I can't stop it. Repentance, I always taught you all, meant a change, a turning. Mm -hmm. Okay? But God said to tell you that repentance involves two turnings. Two of them, the number, Mm -hmm. two turnings. The first one is turning from sin, and the other is turning to God. Mm -hmm. God said, that's what I'm waiting for. Mm -hmm. Everybody quotes 2 Chronicles 7.14, 7.14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from them and I'll heal them. And Lord, we're praying for you to heal your land. God said, I'm praying for you to humble yourself and turn from your wicked way." You think it's me that's holding it up? God said, it's not me that's holding, healing the land. It's you because you have not repented of your sins and turned from your evil ways. There's a condition. Amen. There's a condition in there. In order for him to be able to heal the land. And we have not reached. We're so busy telling God what to do. But we have not turned from our wicked ways. Okay, all right, let's go on. Remember, God's time is not measured by a clock. Now, I got to show you something here, and you need to put on your spiritual caps and, and you'll be almost ready to go home. Verse 10 in the message. I'm reading out the message until I get to another scripture. But when the day of judgment comes it will be unannounced Mm -hmm. like a thief. Ain't no thief going will tell you when he's going to come rob your house, right? The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang. Everything disintegrating in a raging inferno. Earth and all its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. Mm -hmm. The NIV says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now what you have got to see, verse 10 that I just read has to be divided into two parts. In verse 10, there is an interval of time that's in there. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? And 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 how do you how can you explain that? God says turn in your Bibles. You can turn the NIV Bible here because I typed it out of there. Mm-hmm. Matthew 24 39 to 42. Now remember verse 10 under 2 Peter 3 has to be divided. There's an interval of time. That takes place between the first half of f- verse 10. And the second half of verse 10. You say pastor how do, how do you know that? Matthew 24. 39 to 42. When you have it speak to me Lord. I heard one person. Now I want everybody to see this. It's so important. Matthew 24. 39 to 42. Okay. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now remember verse 10 in in Peter 3, it said the coming of the Lord will be such. So it's describing now how the coming of the Lord will be. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Okay, turn to 1 Thessalonians. We got to hook these together. Okay, I know it's a lot. But that's one of the reasons God wants us to do this thing called, let's talk about it. So you can understand what he's talking about. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. You got it? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 18. You with me? Mm -hmm. Anybody? Don't have it? You ready? Okay. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Talking about the day of the Lord, right? In Second in Peter 3, the day of the Lord, he will, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. To meet the Lord in the air. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You say, Pastor, you have really lost me. Okay. In 2 Peter 3.10, it talks about the fact that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. Matthew 24 explains to us how that's going to happen. He says there's going to be two laying in bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two people driving in the car. One will be taken, the other be left. There'll be people in airplanes. The pilot may be taken and the co-pilot is left. There's going to be chaos all over the world, all kind of accidents and all kind of tragedies and so forth because those who are driving the cars or driving the trains or f- are flying the airplanes or will suddenly disappear and all, there'll be all these. God says that is talking about the rapture. Mm-hmm. Remember in 1 Thessalonians we just looked at where it says we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's what it's talking about in Matthew 24. And the word caught up, the only word for caught up in the Latin is rapture. You will not find the word rapture in scripture, but you will find the word caught up. The word caught up means rapture, and the word rapture means caught up. So it shows you that when Jesus comes back the second time, He only comes as far as the clouds in the air. There is two parts of his second coming. Do you see that? It says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. When he comes back the second time, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. We'll be raptured to meet him in. Then look at verse 10 again in 2 Peter 3. Look at verse 10 again. I'm almost finished. I'm not even that long, which is good. Okay, it's only 33 minutes. It says, I'm going to read, look at verse 10 again. When the day of judgment comes, or the day of the Lord comes, it will be unannounced like a thief. That's That's the rapture part, where we're caught up in the Lord. Okay, then it says, the sky will collapse with a thunderous bang. Everything disintegrating in a raging inferno. Earth and all these works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. That's talking about the world being destroyed by fire. Remember when God told Noah, I won't destroy the world again by water. The next time it will be by fire. This occurs after the seven years of tribulation. Do you see that? It doesn't occur as soon as the church is raptured, as soon as the church is raptured out of the world. Then a couple of years later, the uh, tribulation period is going to start. So you see how there's, you see how God does with time? You see how he he puts this all in one verse, like it's all happening at one time. But it doesn't. That's why you have got to study scripture for yourself. That's why you have got to get into the word for yourself. God's time is not measured by the clock. God's time is measured by what He intends for what He intends to occur. Okay? All right. Any questions or comments before we I close this out? And I'm getting ready to. Close it out now. Thank you, Jesus. Here it is. Okay. We're closing out now. There will be mockers in the last days laughing at you, talking about where's the promise of his coming. When they tell you that, you tell them, you better be glad that he hasn't come yet. That should be your response. Mm -hmm. You tell them that God is holding it back. Waiting for, and and I don't know how biblical this is, but I I read it somewhere and I'll let y'all take it and you can chew with it. This one minister says that God has a certain number of people that he intends to be in heaven, that he has this number in his mind. And until that number is reached, that he will not return. I don't know how close he is to that number. I don't even want to think how close he is. But I know the things that he prophesied in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelations that we have studied so many times that we see them being manifested. So know that the hard times are going to come. Mm -hmm. But if you know the Lord, you don't have to have fear. And that's where our song comes in. Let's say a word of prayer. Oh, Father, I thank you. I hope, Lord God, no, not hope, I pray that everybody was able to understand, Lord God, to get an understanding of this. You know, you made me a teaching preacher, so I have to do what you made me. So, Lord God, I want them to understand that God is not being slack in his promise of coming back, just like he's not being slack with any promise that he has in the word for us. But he measures time by his purpose, by what he intends to have accomplished. And that's why some things are held back. Lord, we love you. We bless you and exalt you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, my soul says, Amen. amen.